Good evening, everyone. Welcome back into the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. This is our selection show special. I know we haven't recorded in a bit. Apologies for that. Um, we'll just say life gets in the way sometimes. Well, Megan went on vacation forever. <laughs> so that, you know, she had some fun. So that's what she will. I'll give you, I'll give her credit. She wanted to record. She was willing to record. Where were you in Portugal? Is that where I you were in Portugal? Yeah. And I said, okay. I'm down, but the six hour time difference. And yeah, I did. I texted her and I was like, I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to ask you just in case you're, uh, I forgot how I put it. And he's like, actually I would record like if you're free in the next hour. And I'm like, okay, that's ridiculous. Enjoy your vacation. <laughs> so she almost did record from Portugal. Yeah. So I'll, it's my fault that we haven't recorded in a bit. But we're back. Um, you know, Megan's all fresh up. She's a, she's a year older, right? We're both a year older. I'm a year I'm a year younger than I thought I was. We just talked about that off air. We'll get into that later. Um, but Megan's a year older now, but she's she feels probably a lot younger because she went overseas and made everybody in the Midwest all jealous with these like amazing pictures of just the scenes and the views and so beautiful weather and stuff, right? Yeah, um, I had beautiful weather in Portugal, and then my sister lives in England, so I was in rainy, cold England otherwise, so <laughs> didn't share yes. as much of that part, I guess, as the Portugal sunny beaches. I'm guessing by your tone that you you uh, enjoyed Portugal more than the rain, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. It's a little bit of a different uh, experience, I think. <laughs> does, does, uh, does Ali like England over there? Yeah, she does. So okay. she also lives by the beach, but it's in England. So their weather year round isn't quite as nice as somewhere like Portugal. <laughs> so they have to like wear the galoshes and the rainy jumpsuits and everything, but it's on the beach still kind of thing. Yeah, they're ready for the rain over there. That's one thing that's very evident. Everyone comes out ready to go in their big boots and coats and it's just another day in England. <laughs> Love it. All right. Um, people are like, what are we talking about here? Um, yeah, we're going to talk about some volleyball tonight. Uh, so the selection show was tonight. Um, it was awful as usual. They absolutely are botching the format of that every single year, and they just continue to do it. Um, but they got through it. We got through it, and we know the field. So we have some things to talk about because we know Creighton's assignment. We know where they're going to be playing the first round, uh, first weekend, and we know their path and all that. So we're just going to have a good old like hypothetical conversation on what this thing looks like, and then. You know, the next week, hopefully we're not talking about catastrophic injuries that derailed the whole thing. Um, so, Meg, your reaction I'll to some wood. I'm sorry. OK. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> do we still knock on wood when we say those things out loud? I, I, do. Don't I don't know. That's. I always feel like it's just best to say it because I think you're like taking it head on. You're like, yeah, come okay. at me, karma. You know what I mean? Like, do your True. worst. Kind okay. of thing. But I feel like they've already done their worst. Like, what more could karma do to this team in a postseason? Like at this point, like we don't want to find know. out. So we don't want to find out. Oh, that's why you knock on wood. Okay, got it. So that open challenge is not good. Got it. Um, yeah. So Meg, how is what how did like when you're watching the show, what were you because you know what was funny about this whole thing was like let's just go back two weeks. All of a sudden, out of the blue, all these big ten coaches of like mediocre dead in the water schools, like that aren't gonna make the NCAA tournament started openly complaining and campaigning against the big old bad RPI that we that volleyball's been yeah. using for decades, right? All of a sudden it's now now it's now it's it's hurting the big old Big Ten all of a sudden, you know? Like it's not fair anymore that 
what, 12 and 16 Illinois isn't getting credit for being 12 and 16 in the Big Ten. I'm like, what are we really talking about here? And then, coincidentally or not, the NCAA PR machine um, just introduces KPI into the equation and tells everybody, you know, this great metric that's been around forever, first of all, and just hasn't been used for volleyball. And in the video, it was about two and a half minutes, they essentially lit RPI on fire, called it trash without calling it trash. And I'm just like, okay, I see the game here. Like, they're probably going to start using KPI over RPI. So now you have to kind of rework your metrics and see what's what. And as I was looking at KPI, like, it's not very friendly to Creighton. You know, all of a sudden, Creighton's 8-2 and two record against the top 50 goes down to 4-3. and three. Their strength of schedule, which is top 20 in the RPI, goes down to 57. Um, their, not, their raw number is still the same, weirdly enough, but, like, it's not as sexy anymore. So now you're wondering, like, okay, are they actually going to weigh KPI a lot heavier than RPI, and they're going to slowly phase it out, and therefore is Creighton not as comfortable in that hosting position as I figured they were? Because, I, I like, if I'm just going off RPI, I feel like Creighton was a lock. I wasn't even concerned, honestly. KPI made me wonder a little bit. So I don't know. What were you thinking going into the night knowing that Volleyball was all of a sudden using a new metric. Coincidentally, after Big Ten coaches complained about their bad, mediocre teams not being able to make the NCAA tournament this year, um, I don't know. It just felt like the seeds were being sown to kind of screw over the little the little people of the world. You know what I mean? What did you have any feelings about that, or am I just ranting and being paranoid? No, I think it was it was interesting to see it kind of play out. Like you said, it was a very quick like turnaround of okay we have people obviously in high profile jobs within a high profile conference for volleyball you know kind of putting their two cents in and um then saw a response but yeah I don't know it was just interesting I don't feel like it was very well explained you know how it's actually going to be like weighted you know what what exactly are we going to be doing here um when you go the entire season trying to boost your rpi right and that's the metric that all the other coaches are looking at like okay where's our rpi uh you know where are we gonna land that sort of thing so it was a little bit of a mess um so maybe they could explain that a little bit better going forward um mm-hmm. just kind of make it more fair i guess even just from the standpoint of like expectations yeah. uh yeah but obviously creighton's happy with how they landed um but I don't know, just a little bit of a confusing process. The whole selection process in general can just be kind of unnerving, especially if you, you know, you're not a lock and you're not sure what's going to happen. And there's several teams that like we talked about off air too. It's like, Oh, I don't, wouldn't have thought that team would have made it right. And here they are with an at-large bid. So it's just, I don't know. I guess that's why they have a committee and I'm not paid to choose teams. Exactly. If we were a Kansas state podcast, we would be like, (laughs) we'd probably be burning stuff down right now. Yeah. uh, that's a big omission. Um, but we're a Creighton podcast, so the Jays are a three seed. So that means they're a top 12 uh, seed. So not only are they hosting, but they're hosting kind of like out of the way of a one seed, which is, I guess, you know, I don't think Creighton's – I mean, they went to Lincoln. They played Nebraska. It was the first one without Norris assist. They took a set from him. I don't think they want to see Nebraska, like, right away out of the shoot in, like, the second round. But I don't think they're, like – freaking out if they had to go to Lincoln, you know what I mean? I think Creighton's yeah. I think Creighton's kind of like at that point where they're just they're ready to take on whoever's in the way kind of thing. Um but from a practicality standpoint, NCAA tournaments are all about 
your draw, your path. I mean, that goes across every single sport. You know what I mean? It's all matchup based. You know what I mean? You could be 28 no, 30 and two, and then you just get the wrong matchup on day one. And all of a sudden, you're it's the last weekend of your season when you kind of had big aspirations. That's kind of just how the NCAA tournament monster works across all sports. So, you know, it's, but I think Creighton is, feels A, that they deserve to be a top 12 seed, which means, you know, anywhere in those one, two, three lines, right? And avoid those one seeds until the Elite Eight. You know what I mean? So not only was creating a top 12, but they were they were kind of right on that. So they were matched up against the last number one, which is Pitt. So they're in Pitt's quadrant. The downside is they get the best two seed in Louisville. Um, I think that was the best two seed. That's how it shakes out. Yeah, I think it My is. My math is right. So, I mean... But if you look at the path that Creighton has, like, I don't think if you're just trying to say, okay, you know, what's the most ideal road to Tampa? I, I kind of think Creighton got a pretty good draw. Like, I don't think, I think in past years, they've had some tough ones. Like, I know you're, I mean, I don't know if it was your senior year. When did you guys play Michigan State second round? When was that? Was that your junior year? Junior, probably. Okay. That might have even been your sophomore year, actually. Because I think you played Washington your junior year, right? Wasn't that Jay Lee's senior year? And Taryn and those guys? Yeah. Yeah, it probably was. So Washington, to me, wasn't like a terribly scary opponent because you guys had already beaten them. But Michigan State was a really physical second-round team. Like, you know, that's that was a tough draw, right? I don't know that Creighton can really, like, you know, uh, lose sleep over their draw. I think they got a pretty good you know, a pretty manageable path to the final four, you know what I mean? Because all the teams that they're going to play are teams that, you know, obviously can beat them, but they also can create problems for them too. Like I think they're good enough. They're playing well enough right now um, that they should, they should be pretty happy about this path. If they're just being honest with themselves, what do you think? I sort of have the same thought process, just thinking through even looking at who the one seeds are in the other quadrants. I feel like Pitt as the one seed is probably where I'd want to go. Um, and then, like you said, Louisville, that would be two really hard back-to-back matches, I think. So, I mean, who knows? Honestly, it's it's always a draw of teams, too, that you're not super familiar with. I think, I mean, there's a couple in Creighton's potential matchups that they're not going to be super familiar with. Obviously, Colgate, Utah State. I mean, they played Minnesota, so – those are some things. Auburn, obviously, they got beat by them um, last year. And I don't know. So it's just it's hard, I think, when you're not super familiar with teams as well. Um, you're not really sure what to expect. And then there's other teams that you've maybe watched in downtime and that sort of stuff that you maybe kind of have a feel for. So it's just, I mean, it's going to be a battle either way. Obviously, we'll talk about that. Just And so any NCAA tournament match is going to be a competitive match for the most part. Um, so it's just preparing as best as you can in that short turnaround time of, Hey, I don't really know anything about them. How much can I learn in a few days? Let's start with uh, that and Colgate, right? Because this is a team that's obviously that obviously Creighton is not familiar with. However, they're not familiar with Creighton either. So both yeah. teams are probably starting on ground zero tonight, right? <laughs> um, you know, they look like an interesting team on paper and I'm going to be totally honest with everybody. I haven't seen this team play at all. So I'm learning as much as 
as you're about to learn <laughs> with us. Um, but just in kind of my read and how they look on paper and, you know, kind of how their season's gone, they obviously are, you know, seem like the class of the Patriot League. It looks like they um, you know, went 13-3 and in conference, obviously got the auto bid, like, um, but you, when you look at just, you know, how they're performing, right. You know, no one really, no one really jumps out to you as like an all American level type of performer, at least offensively. Right. But they have three, you know, three or four or five players averaging over two kills per set, um, which, you know, and then you have their blockers who are, that's one of their best. What's something that they're one of the best at in the country is blocking. I think they're top 25 in blocking blocks per set as a team. So, I mean, they know how to score points, whether it's with blocking or kills. And it looks like they're a hard team to kind of figure out who to take away because of their diversity, right? Like they have no one who's averaging three and a half to four kills per set. That's kind of like a big, heavy load carrying outside that they just throw the ball to and you have to just kind of like put hands in front of them and you'll stop them, right? It looks like they have a lot of options, which makes it a tricky scout, you know, for a week prep when you haven't really dealt with this team. You probably haven't played in these players, um, you know. So what are some of the challenges there that come with playing a team that looks like it has a lot of offensive weapons combined with the unfamiliarity part of it, you know? I mean, Creighton's going to have the same issue for them, but just from Creighton's point of view of trying to figure out how to stop Colgate and make sure they – you know, limit them and make them inefficient in Omaha when they show up on, on Friday. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, what you're talking about there is, you know, they have parity and so does Creighton. We've talked about how that's a strength of Creighton's, especially this year. I mean, there's been years, obviously they've had parity, but this year, I think any of your attackers, you, you trust them to put a ball down and you're not always in that situation and every team's not always in that situation. So that will be the hard part of just adjusting. And then I mean, style-wise, like, I haven't watched them. You know, I don't know if it's a quick tempo that they like to run, right? Are we running more of a high ball? What are their middles like to do? It's just those things and those tendencies that you have to learn really quickly. And, I mean, the Mm. one thing about conference play is you're pretty familiar with a coach's style, right, of how they like to run offense. And by the time you're at the end of conference play, you've already played each team once. You're kind of like, yep, I got it, you know, and it's that process now of – okay, I really need to look at every line of this scout and I need to go in my free time and watch film, especially if I'm a blocker and I have to figure out where does this middle attacker like to go? If they're out of system, what's the setter going to do? So it's just those things of really like studying more maybe than you had to really recently in memory. I think obviously the last time you had to do that was more preseason of figuring out what teams like to do. But even then in preseason, you play a lot of teams year to year that have, you know, the same style that you're used to and you know what to expect. And Mm -hmm. so it's just those sorts of things that are different and kind of make the NCAA tournament a different thing to just learn teams that you you might not even know where Colgate was. Like I asked you, I I, I don't even know. I'm like, where is Colgate? You know, it's like, I don't know those things and it's teams you otherwise wouldn't be matched up against. Yeah. And then I think the other part of it too, maybe is, and correct me if I'm wrong, like I think, you know, if you're Creighton, you have to kind of go into this match prepared to make adjustments on the fly. Like, just be prepared, I guess, to not to be surprised, if you will. You know what I mean? Because there's probably going to be anxiety because it's an NCAA tournament match, and you know it, like, 
if you don't play well, it's your last, it's the last day of your season, right? So there's going to be anxiety and nerves from that point of view. Also, you like we like you just touched on, like there's so many unknowns to who you're facing across the net that it's very likely that something happens that you're just not prepared for or didn't prepare for throughout the week when it's, you know, you have three or four days to learn an opponent, you know, focus on what you think their tendencies will be. But also, I just know how volleyball is. Like sometimes they just, you know, as Creighton's learning Colgate, Colgate's learning Creighton, they're probably thinking, okay, can we score, you know, with this shot? Can we score to this area of the court? Like where is Creighton's defense really good? Where are we going to have a tough time putting balls down? Where can we attack them? That kind of thing. So I just think being ready to be surprised and have to make adjustments in match, in set, like in game has to be kind of your mental preparation a little bit, right? Just be ready for the unexpected and be ready to adjust quickly so you can, you know, make sure it doesn't beat you kind of thing. That's a great point. I think that part of it is super relevant. I mean, when you don't know the team, right? And how fast can a team adjust? And sometimes that's the challenge of a team that's going to win is going to be the one that, okay, we have our game plan. Well, you know, we'll stick to the game plan. Our coaches have watched a lot more film probably than you, right? They're spending all their hours starting today when they figured out their matchup of what's our game plan against this team that we don't know, right? We're just trying to consume as much information and figure out those tendencies. So can we stick to that? But then if they come in and and they just throw something completely different at you, you just have to adjust. And that's, I mean, the name of the game and within sets point to point, even, you know, if they're serving you short, if they're trying to move you around a certain way, if a team is trying to throw something in, sometimes teams, when you get to NCAA tournament time, they're going to throw in different crossing patterns. If they have a free ball, just because teams, you know, you just want to catch them off guard. And as much film as a team has watched against you, they're still not going to be that familiar with you. So you can do some of those things, you know, when you get to that third season, as you know, we like to call it of, okay, this is a new season NCAA tournament time it's a whole new thing, right? It's a whole new kind of beast to kind of get used to because of the teams you're going to play and the traveling, you know, if you don't host and it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just a whole different, whole different thing, whole different experience. And like you touched on the hype around it too, is going to be really big when you host, Um, you know, there's always a lot of buzz about people coming to games and big crowds and just kind of that competitiveness. You almost kind of feel it in the air when you get to that point of season of, okay, like we can go and compete and it's go time. Like, like walk around campus and you like know it's NCAA tournament week, right? Like it, it feels different, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's one of those, it's like your professors are coming up to talk to you yeah. about your game, right? And people are texting you about getting tickets and you're just, it's like so, it's so fun, but at the same time, there's so much buzz that you kind of have to just be like, okay, like this is great, but let's mm-hmm. focus on me learning the scout and learning what I need to do on the court and people can enjoy it. And that's the fun part of it. And hosting obviously is a great thing for the university too, just because of the recognition and people Mm. coming into town and kind of getting to experience like Crane's facilities and how they do things the right way. But there's just a lot that goes into it, you know, behind the scenes, even too, of just making it a really special event. So from Creighton's point of view going into this thing now, like I, they've had a really good season. Honestly, you know, depending on how it turns out postseason-wise, it's kind of like the only thing left to assess. But I feel like we're watching 
one of, if not the best Creighton team we've ever seen. Just when you look at, you know, 2021, they were what, 31 and four? Was that what they were? Before, you know, going, I think that's what they finished. Um, But they had the best, you know, they had the best opponent hitting percentage in the country. They let, you know, they were absolutely rolling through, you know, that last month and month and a half, two months of the year to get to, to get to the play tournament. And it looked like, you know, just the way they were set up that, you know, Nora Sis was playing out of her mind. Jayla Zimmerman was playing really well. Kendra was kind of coming into her own. They had a lot of options, you know, offensively. They were really good defensively. They were a good serving team. And I think that was what Abby Bottomley and Keely Davis and all those kids were like just, you know, really tough behind the line. Um, you know, and then, then Jayla gets hurt against Ole Miss and Creighton finds a way to like, you know, pull that out without her and get the sweep. And then, you know, Kansas – Creighton got punched in set one in that, but they were really competitive. I think the rest of the way, and you you just like that's just a what if type of situation right there. Like, because you look at their path and you go, that team was playing at a Final Four caliber level. Like they could have broken through if they were healthy, if things had broken their way. Um, and then last year is kind of the same uh, same deal to a degree, right? Like, um, you know, maybe there's a few more warts. Maybe there's a little bit more inconsistency. Maybe a few more kids are banged up a little bit, but then you, you lose your setter for the tournament and, you know, Nora and Ava did all they could to kind of push them through that, but they end up dropping in five and, you know, they just haven't had the break there, but, you know, and then, so here we are again at this point now where we're trying to analyze what it looks like. And this team is just a juggernaut right now. And I think, you know, the only thing that does stop them, at this point, when you look at the way they're playing is one of those unforeseen circumstances. So let's just put that off the table because like I said, I'm like, you just can't plan for that. But right now the type of volleyball they're playing, they look like a final four type of team to me right now. You know what I mean? Like I I put it out earlier, but there's only three teams in the country that are hitting 285 or better and holding their opponent to 150 or lower. It's Creighton, it's Pitt, it's Wisconsin. That's it. Those are the only three teams doing that. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 hard to do. Be good. Be that good offensively and be that good defensively. Creighton's going to come in again, just like they were in twenty twenty one, leading the country in opponent hitting percentage. Like they are hard to score on, and they have a lot of offensive parity. So when 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 you're trying to assess what this team is right now, let's just put aside the unforeseen stuff and let's just say like Creighton has better fortune in the uncontrollable areas right now. From a controllable standpoint and the type of volleyball they're playing, coming in, winners of 15 in a row. They've only dropped one set since October 6th. Um, like, what does this team look like to you? What is this? What is it? What is it's like staying power, staying potential? How far do you think this team can go based on the type of volleyball they're playing, regardless of who is in front of them? Just based upon, I mean, how they're playing, I think, obviously, has, I mean, been dominating, to be quite honest, in the Big East. I mean, regular season and then in the tournament, just the performance overall. Like you said, I mean, offensively, defensively, they're doing everything on both sides of the ball that, you know, just takes to win games. So from that standpoint, I think if they play at a high level in both of those categories, they have the potential to go very far. I think you're potentially talking about an elite eight final four type of run you know people stay healthy as we talked about um but obviously there's a ton of factors and 
whoever shows up on the on the day and plays at a high level, you know, has the potential to win a game, you know, for either team. So that part of it, just showing up, being consistent, doing things at a really high level is is going to take them far. And hopefully we see that type of response of in continuation, really, of just them peaking, because I think when you look at a team, I think they're a really good example of peaking at the right time and playing really good volleyball consistently you know, several matches. Now we have a really good sample size of what they can do and how they can be successful. So I think, you know, sky's the limit, just, you know, assuming that they show up, play well and stay healthy. Do you think they know how good they are right now? I, I, this is more of like, you know, Creighton kids don't like, they're not very boastful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the same way, especially with the volleyball program. Like it's hard to read. <laughs> They're, I don't even know what I would say, like the swagger level, right? Like yeah. they just show up, they do what they do, and then if they're on the road, they go get some ice cream. If they're at home, they just like hit up, go back to the dorm and, you know, do their media, go home, say hi to the family, say hi to the friends, and go home and get some rest and do it all over again the next day. Do you think this team knows how good they are right now? Like the way they're playing, do you, if you win 45 out of 46 sets over like a month and a half's time, and it's it, and it coincides with you getting your like superstar two time All American outside back, and it coincides with getting all these players healthy and slotting into roles like Sydney Breisinger, you know, was a freshman. Now she's playing like a season libero all of a sudden. Kendra Waite, when you look at the connection she has with Nora, Ava, Kiana, Kiara, Ellie Bickelmeyer, Destiny Adam Simpson, like it just feels like. If if ever there was going to be a team that just like walks into the gym with their, you know, chest stuck out saying, hey, like, we're the best we're the best squad in this gym, roll the ball out. Let's do this thing. It just feels like it's it's this team should believe in itself. Right. They should have a lot of confidence going into this week that overrides all those NCAA tournament jitters. Right. If you were on this team, what do you think the psyche of the group would be? Do you think they would know that they're like that they're a problem right now? I think to your point, Kirsten has a way of recruiting girls that are very grounded and they kind of just go about their business in a way that's like, yeah, I'm super competitive, right? I know what I'm capable of, but I'm not like, I don't know. I guess they're just not like, they're not going to brag about it, right? They're not going to like yeah. go to their own horn about like what they did and their accomplishments and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. um, I think that just becomes the identity more of the team just because you have a lot of people that live that out day to day um but obviously i think i mean you look at their body of work right over this season and you you look at that and i think you're proud of it if you're on the team and but at the same time you're looking forward to hey like we've hosted in the NCAA tournament right like they've they've met some of their goals but not all of them and so i think mm -hmm. you have that forward looking mindset of okay what's next like we took care of what we needed to take care of we put ourselves in great position to host let's get out of Omaha right like let's win both of our matches and then see what's in front of us and I just think when you're a competitive athlete kind of in that mindset it's always like what can I do next right how can I be better what's what's next what goal can I reach next even when you kind of tick them off you have those moments maybe shortly of reflection of this is really cool and like let's enjoy this but what's next and i think that's yeah. always just the mindset of people in that position just you know to get better day in and day out 
Because when I when I try to think of like the team that teams that broke through, right? Your redshirt freshman year was the first Sweet Sixteen, um, or your true freshman year was the first Sweet Sixteen. Your redshirt freshman year was the first Elite Eight, right? Those, but those teams also went on the road, so they kind of had like an attitude of like us against the world, and you just kind of if you can manage the emotions of, you know, a hostile environment against you. Although Chapel Hill wasn't very hostile, but Kansas was. You know what I mean? So yeah, like if you can handle that. And just, you know, do your thing and execute and make plays um, and just kind of like feed off each other. You're you can like kind of win the day, so to speak. Right. And I think, you know. um, That team had an edge to it. Those those squads came in saying, I don't care where this match is being played. I don't care how many fans they got. I don't care what they're going to say to us. Uh, We're we're the better team. We're going to prove it because we're just going to play our game and it's going to it's going to that's all that's going to matter, right? And I think this team has that has that sense of like if we play our game it's hard hard to beat us kind of thing. Um so but I also think like they've it's been harder for them to kind of keep this in cuz as the as the season has gotten closer to the NCAA tournament, they've kind of said, you know, a thing here or there that you know the memory of the NCAA tournament's past of the last two years where they had some things go against them that ultimately pulled them down and ended their season, that they're, you know, in a way, to put it nicely, like not happy about that, right? Like they want another shot at, at redemption of that, to, you know, put it in a certain way. So I think this team has like a sneaky edge to it that they just do a really good job of kind of suppressing to people. Like they don't like to be um outward with kind of that that like you know mean nasty edge to it they just kind of want to do what they do have fun playing volleyball and but i think when like when the game's going on when the lights are on you know this team's got an edge and i think that's what has led them to have the success they've had because i don't think you can win 15 straight in the manner they've done it without that I don't think it's possible. So I think you would slip eventually. You know what I mean? You'd get caught slipping. Like you'd lose a set or two. You'd be down two one to somebody. Um, and the other part of it, the other ones like is like who they like look at who they played that beat them. You know what I mean? That's because then you want to see how they respond to that. Like what do they really think of that? You know, before the Marquette match, they said, Yeah, you know, Marquette beat us. Um we know there's a lot at stake, but we also just treat it like another volleyball match. They did not treat that like another volleyball match. <laughs> they went out there like and stepped in, like they threw a haymaker and they stepped on Marquette's throat and put them away and dominated them. Xavier beat them when they weren't healthy. And yeah, it was just another match, but they Xavier walked into the gym and they absolutely steamrolled them. Like they just punished them. So like, and then the St. John's match was the same way. No one on that 2019 team was left player-wise. But I think they know, like, hey, we were in Milwaukee in 2019, and this team beat us, and, you know, they were dancing and celebrating and, like, at our expense kind of thing. And they came out, and they St. John's had their whole season on the line. Like, they were playing for an NCAA tournament berth. They had just beaten Marquette. They were feeling really good. They knew it was their one and only chance. And no matter what they did, Creighton was just way better. And I think you need an edge to be that good. I don't think you can just be that good. You know what I'm saying? It'd be pretty scary if you could, but I also think you have to have a mindset. Don't you think so? 
I think so. I mean, anything, obviously, I mean, you're motivated to win, right? And I think people that are out there on the court, obviously, and on the team, even on the bench, they're motivated to win. They're motivated to play whatever role that's asked of them just to help the Mm -hmm. team. So from that standpoint, you know, obviously you're going to want to be competitive and win games, but if there is something else that gives you a little bit of an edge, like you, you kind of alluded to just, you know, past losses or the feeling of, you know, a team celebrating at your expense of like, we shouldn't have beaten you and we did haha. Right. Like those are things just mentally that I think can take you even one step forward because I mean, who doesn't need more motivation. Right. And I think, I mean, I've talked about this too. Like if I'm pissed off about something, like I'm going to play better, right? Like I still want to win if I'm going to show up to a game and I warm up and do everything, go through the process. Yeah. Even if you're not pissed off, you still show up with that mindset, but yeah, like I show up with that. But if I'm like pissed off about something and I just like want to annihilate a team, like for whatever reason, it's like, I'm, I'm crisper, right? Like I'm sharper. Like I'm just going to be that much. Like I'm going to swing that much harder. You know, it's just those things of, I really want to put this team away because it's just, I just want to win so badly because I'm either, you know, really pissed off or I'm just super motivated and even annoyed at my situation. Right. And I think with the injuries, like you're just annoyed of like what could have been and you think of that and it's like, okay, what could have been this last year. Right. And it's, it's hard too, especially like you watch your seniors get injured, right? Like that happened with Jayla Zimmerman where it's like she's injured and really doesn't ever get back to that like playing position that she was at. And so for those things, like if things like that can motivate you just to play a little bit sharper, a little bit cleaner as a Mm -hmm. team and individually, I mean, take whatever fuel, you know, you can have, right? I think there's times too where it's like you have bulletin board material from other teams saying things about you. It's like, okay, did Mm -hmm. I really need that to be motivated to play? No, but am I going to play maybe that much better? Just up my level a little bit. And the difference between, you know, me playing really competitive and me just wanting to like crush a team can help. Right. And I think those are the things like, don't shy away from it. Just embrace it and use whatever you can to be that much better. Yeah. And I think, I think it's another thing that we've seen in this team at home too. Like, I don't think this team, I don't know if it's because of Auburn or if it's because of Auburn and in Kansas or if it's just because of the way those two seasons ended. And now, you know, you look at a Nora Sis and you look at a Kendra Wade and you look at an Ava Martin, Ellie Bolton, and all those players who were kind of like young, you know, uh, pieces on those teams. And now they're veterans and they're trying to, you know, kind of right those wrongs, right? Like they want to, they want, they want to make, they, they don't want that ever to happen again. They don't like that feeling. But when this team's played at home this year, they just they it looks like they're exercise. It looks like they're playing Auburn every single time they show up. To like that might be a little bit melodramatic, but it looks like they're just like they don't ever want to lose on that court again because they they don't like the feeling of having their season ended on that floor. They feel like that's their kind of sanctuary. It's where they practice. It's where they play. It's where their fans show up. You know they don't want to you know, experience heartbreak on that floor. And I think that's what we've seen in their play. And it's like what we get we get asked like throughout this whole podcast, like all season long is like, should Creighton want to host? Like it's the number one question we always get, right? They've always they played better on the road in the NCAA tournament. They've done they've been more successful on the road. I just think this team is looking to exercise those demons. Like um I just think the way they play, it looks like they play with a better, like a, you know, 
a more assertive focus and edge and sharpness like you talked about that like every time they show up there's like a little bit of auburn still in their minds like they're just still a little bit pissed off about that and they don't want to ever let that happen again because they just they're they're a wagon at home this year like and so that's what i'm curious about watching this weekend is how they how they play you know what i mean do they look nervous do they look jittery do they look you know kind of I guess, uh, is there some residual fear of failing again at home for a third straight year and not making it out of your own regional? Like, is there, is that going to take over or is that assertiveness, that edge, that focus, that like, you know, controlled rage of failures past? Like, is that going to be the predominant feeling they have when they go out there and play? And is that going to be the thing that kind of like leads to that enhanced focus and, you know, I don't know, because sometimes that can go sideways on you, too, right, if you don't harness it in the right way. But I feel like this team has already had some of that in their personality trait. Like, I think they I think they do show up pissed off sometimes, and they do show up trying to make a statement to somebody, and they have done that in an emphatic fashion in multiple occasions this year. And I kind of feel like that's the way they play at home. Like, they play with an edge. They don't want to ever let Auburn happen again. That doesn't mean it's ever going to happen again, because that's just impossible, but like they play with that type of like that type of focus that's like hey this is our gym these are our fans this is our home like no one's beating us here that's the way they play to me so that's i'm like that's what i'm curious about this week because i'm I, you know NCAA tournament's always a different beast in general it feels different you know it's different you know your season could end um that day so like there's there's a nervousness to it like you know what i mean are we controlling all we can control? Did we prepare the way we needed to prepare? Are we ready for this moment? You don't ever find out until you throw the ball up in the air and serve it up, right? Um, but my read on this team is that they're really, you know, to put it bluntly, they're pissed off about the last two years and they don't want to let that happen again. Like, I just think that's 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 the way they feel. I get that. That's the, my read on them right now is that, you know, they're going to be a really pissed off team this weekend. Well, I hope so. I think I like the controlled rage. That's a good way to think about it. Um, rage, yeah. Is that what you play Yeah, with? I like that. I like that. Yeah. But no, I think, I mean, for the most part, I think you have people just with personalities too that are pretty, pretty level-headed. And I think the beginning of this season, we kind of questioned, right? Like, do they have an edge? And so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. funny to see now. I mean, looking back, right? It's like, do they have an edge? Where are they going to get an edge from? And now it's yeah. like, we're seeing that. And we've seen that kind of pan out now over several games several sets that they've just dominated so it's, yeah. it's fun to see that progression and at the end of the day I think I mean you have level-headed people that aren't going to try to do too much I think that's that's one part of it that can be a little bit dangerous if somebody's going to try to you know do everything yeah. at once and like be that person to carry the team right and this team's mm-hmm. strength which they've shown is they have parity. They have a lot of people that they can trust. They have a lot of very talented people in positions all over the court that can impact the game in positive ways. So, I mean, you can't try to change your identity, right? I think they've kind of found what works for them this season, how they can be successful. So it's just taking another step forward and, you know, raising that level even more when you get to the tournament. Obviously, there's, like you said, a lot of jitters, a little bit of a buzz in the air, almost like just a little bit of different energy. And so just controlling that and um, obviously you have people too that are experienced. I think, I mean, Norris yeah. has kept their weight. Those are people that have been in moments like that, know what to expect and the feeling of not wanting to lose at home. Like they have the past couple of seasons, I'm sure will be, 
you know, maybe not at the forefront, right, of like game plan, but, you know, at the same time, like we said, take any little nugget that can kind of motivate you more to raise your level and just play your best volleyball at the end of the season. Is it pro- you're right. Like it probably won't. They're probably not going to show up on first, like on, on, you know, first serve and be like, we're not losing at home again. But if it's like 23, 22, like, you know what I mean? I bet you that will be like a moment where they kind of like, you know, you huddle up and be like, not, not this time kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like now we, this is the point we win like right here, right now. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's corny. It's like Disney channel, but that's also like athletes. Like they, they, they sharpen up in those moments. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like, no, like this is our time right now situation. So I think it'll show up in, in moments of typical stress, like uh, where, where they're being pushed, where it's at end game and they have to execute where they, it's it, where they have to side out and, you know, get a first ball kill and get the crowd going and build that like final push to win the set, win the match kind of thing. It might show up there. Like it might show up like, hey, this is for 2021. This is for 2022. We're not letting this happen again. Like, right. Because I've seen it like in conditioning. I've seen conditioning workouts where like you yeah. can see the people are getting tired and like it's getting hard. And I've seen like captains like Jayla Zimmerman, you know. I remember I remember a first practice in 2021. Their first, I think it was their second, maybe it was the afternoon portion of the two a days. And they were doing conditioning. And like you could see that the 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 drill was like starting to like like hands on hips, like a lot of heavy breasts. It was getting hard, you know, and Jayla just like yelled out, like, we're not losing in the first round again. We're not losing in the first round again. You know, what I mean, she just like she just yelled that repeatedly to try to help them through the drill, like to help them push. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just that thing that just it doesn't matter right then and there. They're not playing Moorhead State right then and there. They're not even yeah. playing an opponent right there. They're not even playing volleyball. They're just running. But it's that thing that just like it puts an edge in your mind that's saying like, oh, yeah, this is why we're doing this right here. So we're, you know, for those moments, like it's just one of those things that athletes don't forget that stuff. You know what I mean? And they use it in moments where they have to face adversity and they have to dig deep. And so I bet like, you know, if I don't think I think Auburn will come up at some point in in a match this weekend and i think that they'll use that like because i think they are pissed off about it i just i don't think i think that's just human nature especially with competitive people you know yeah it's hard not to be um you know pissed off obviously about those situations and i mean even in tight situations i remember it's like okay this is why you got up at 6 a.m every single day in the summer right and like stayed at creighton and trained really hard and lifted every you know every other day or whatever so it's those sorts of things that i think you know, you forget about, obviously you work so hard and the entire reason why you played, you know, the whole season and you trained the entire off season before this is to be in that moment in the instant yeah, tournament. Yeah. So from that standpoint, it's like putting that in your mind of, okay, I put myself, you know, through hell, a lot of days in conditioning and doing this or that, or coming in to get extra reps. Like I did all of that for the past, however many months to be in this position and to win this game. I mean, you know, as, as bad as that sounds, obviously, you you play to win games, you play to win your conference, but at the end of the day, the thing that you're trying to do is advance in the NCAA tournament, win games, make another Sweet 16, make an Elite Eights, those things that 
for a lot of these recruits, you know, when they were recruited and they had to wait until they got to college, like they're watching, you know, other Creighton teams, right. And like, see them have successful seasons and they want to do that. And so I think for them too, it's like, that's in their mind. It's like, I want to be a team that accomplishes awesome things that, you know, we can talk about for years and years to come. So it's, it's that standpoint too of, Hey, I worked really hard to get here and in the off season, the last several seasons, you know, and things didn't quite pan out. This can be our year. We can do things differently. Like we've worked really hard. We've put in, you know, the extra time, the extra effort to even like get closer as a team and, you know, iron out some of those things that maybe aren't as much physical, but there's just, I mean, there's so much that goes into it, obviously. And teams around the country are doing the same thing. So it's just that motivation of whatever I can take to be a little bit better. And the margin is so small, Mm -hmm. especially when you get into the NCAA tournament, obviously it's a matter of two points at times in a fifth set. Right. So those things of just what can I do to be my best on the day that we have to step out on that court? Yeah, no, I think that's 100% like bullseye because especially when you look at the sport right now and it's really healthy and it's, there's a lot of competitive teams out there more so than there ever has been really like the parody across the entire country is like, it's kind of like eye popping that sometimes when you see how many upsets quote unquote upsets there are. And like, yeah. you know, normally you you could go like, you could go a whole season and have three teams be like undefeated threats. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it just doesn't feel like that's happening anymore. So the, from the physical part of it, like the playing field is level as it's ever been. So I think those intangibles make the difference sometimes, you know, who's just like more focused, who has a better edge that day, like who's going to do like that one extra little bit to push over the finish line and get the job done kind of thing, I think is what ultimately gets you through the first weekend, second weekend and further and beyond. Like you just have to be, you have to go, I guess a little bit outside of yourself. It's not just a casual, comfortable stroll to a, to a final four, you know, you have to be, you put in uncomfortable situations and you have to kind of rise above those, those moments. And, and, you know, it is volleyball at the end of the day, but there's also a mental component to it that I think, you know, you have to be a little bit like that a little bit. You have to find that edge. Right. So that's the intangible side of it. And I, I'm, that's what I'm curious to kind of see, because like I said, I think it's un- I think it's going to be unavoidable. I think there's going to be a lot of conversation because I just think we've talked about it all year and we get asked it. We get asked about it. We're not even on the team. You know what I'm saying? So imagine what the team is getting asked. Like they know they haven't made it out of their own regional the last two years, right? And I bet they're going to be reminded of that by their classmates this year, this week. Don't you think? Like I bet you there's I maybe you, I don't know. I bet you the coaches are going to get text messages saying, "Hey, are you guys going to do it this year? Like are you going to finally break through, get out of your own regional?" I bet you they're. Like their friends and classmates are going to be wondering too, maybe even giving them a hard time at times. So it's going to, I think it's going to be something they're going to have to deal with this week. You know what I mean? Cause when you, when it happens like consecutively, and in this case, yeah. I think it's happened four times now. They've yeah. hosted four times and they have not made it through, right? That's just enough of a trend. I know the last two have been outside of their control. But it's just that's enough of a trend to be something that's like a topic. You know what I mean? So I don't think they'll be able to avoid it this week. So they kind of have to confront it and overcome it in, you know, in whatever form that takes, they're going to have to. Right. But that's the intangible part of it. And that's I wanted to have that conversation because I think it's just it's part of this team's narrative because of the recent history of hosting, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also am curious for your take on this team's 
kind of offensive makeup. Because to me, I mean, first of all, just statistically, right now their 285 hitting is six percentage points better than any team in program history. So just on paper alone, they're having the best offensive season any Creighton team has ever had. Um, but when you look at like the options and how diverse they are and you know how they're one of these teams that literally could have you know six players average two kills a night and they just blow you away offensively you know and you look at their kills numbers i think they're number three in the country in kills per set um i think they're number 10 or 11 in the country in hitting percentage does this team feel like the like it stacks up with the group that you played with you know in 2016 2017 that just had you know, you, Marissa, Lawrence Smith, Jay Lee, Taryn, um, even Lydia was a threat to score as a setter. Like there was just like a lot of dangerous pieces um, to that team. They weren't just like, you know, good offensive players. They were efficient. They were physical. Um, they were they were they were multidimensional in their shot. You know, in their shot uh, repertoire, right? Like when you watch this team, do you get kind of, I don't know, do you harken back to that squad? Does it look like they have some of those traits offensively when it when you just look at the way the type of shots they can hit, um, the type of offensive numbers they can put up, and how hard they are to defend? For sure, and I don't obviously I don't think you can argue with just the efficiency um, and the domination offensively, honestly. Um, I mean, they're just super well-rounded. We've talked about how their parity is one of their really good strengths and um, they use it. And that's the thing. It's like, you can talk about it. I mean, we've said it too. You can talk about how you have parity, right? But at the end of the day, do you really trust all of your hitters? And mm-hmm. this team has gone to a point where they have that trust between setter, hitter, you know, everybody's available. Everybody can put the ball away. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's fun to watch. And we've talked about it too. It's hard to defend. And that's the main thing. I mean, they make it so hard for teams to figure out who's going to get the ball. And I really do think, I mean, Nora's injury and her absence, maybe a strength, you know, going down, down the line, just because people had to learn how to score and they didn't have yeah. that person to rely on. And, um this team has only gotten stronger since she's gotten back and it's just fun to see how now her back in the lineup and that like last puzzle piece almost of like what they needed to get that efficiency you know really up there and just just do things the right way offensively and then defensively I think I mean you don't really have a weakness defensively either so you know you have great blocking great backcourt defenders so just all around I think they're well-rounded and they do things at a really high level on both sides. So, I mean, that's what you have to have. If you want to make a deep run, you have to have, you know, everybody playing at a really high level in every single position and people that you can trust. And that's the main thing. Another, you know, intangible, it's like, did we have that trust of between teammates, the people that I'm playing next to, do I have that? And I think you see that when you watch Creighton play. Yeah. I mean, say John shut Nora, they, they shut Nora down this week on what Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Creighton just killed them. Like that's <laughs> that's that's scary, right? Like you're, when you're, you know, St. John's is taking like a little bit of a calculated risk there because it's like you said, you have to pick someone. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to choose somebody, and yeah. you just and kind of hope that either like Creighton doesn't figure it out at a, at a at a early enough time, or that the rest of the hitters kind of just aren't terminating. You know what I mean? But you have to pick someone, and St. John's picked Nora. 
And they held her to, I mean, what what she hit? I bet she hit less than under 150, didn't she? Let me just pull it up real quick. People always love this part of the podcast where I look something up and don't talk. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Nora hit 100. Uh Nora hit 100 on 30 swings. And Creighton, as a team, hit 355. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many many teams in the country can you hold their number one – number one pin to 100 hitting on 30 swings and still just get absolutely horsed offensively. You know what I mean? Kiara Reinhardt was 500. Ava Martin was 500. Deanna Schmidt was 526. Ellie Bickelmeyer was 400. Kendra as a setter was 429. You know what I'm saying? That's, (laughs) that's scary. You know what I mean? If you're trying to figure out who to stop and you pick, well, let's just pick the best player and stop her and see what happens. And then it just does not matter at all. (laughs) 25-13, 25-9, 25-13, <laughs> third set was competitive, but they, you know, it was six ties and four lead changes, and they were chasing it pretty much the most of the way. So it's not like they, you know, made Creighton sweat a ton. It didn't go to extras. No. Um, yeah, I just I just love how, like, how efficient this offense is, you know what I mean, and how diverse it is. And I think that's what gives it a lot of staying power, too, when you look at how, like, projectable they are for a deep run. I mean, you know... Volleyball is more complicated below the surface. Like the numbers do tell part of the story, but you know, there's, there's so much of it that's chained together, right? Like, you know, when I mentioned that there's only three teams in the country hitting 285 or better and holding their opponent under 150, right? So like, but those are all chained together with other, other aspects of their, of their team performance. As you've talked about many times in this podcast, like opponent hitting percentage is usually tied to how well you're serving, how aggressive you're serving, and how effectively you're hitting your seams and targeting players and getting teams out of system, right? Because that allows you to set up your block, set up your defense, you know, uh, target certain players, get teams into predictable sets and patterns um, to where you can just line up your defense and and stop them, right, and keep the ball up and, and transition off of it. And then offensively, you have to be, you know, to hit that well, you have to be in system a lot. And to be in system a lot, you have to be really good on first contacts. Um, you have to be, you know, giving your setter a lot of options at the net. Um, and when you see that Creighton sided out at 70% in all those sets and they hit 355, even though Nora was inefficient um, and St. John's shut her down, like that, that, that's, that's a big part of why I think Creighton has a lot of potential with this team, the way they're playing right now is because a lot of the components of what they're doing are working, you know what I mean? From their serving to their passing to their defense to their transition offense to their out of system setting to their out of system offense to their in system. Like it's just all firing right now. And when you look at what they're capable of at their best, you know, there's not many teams in the country that can that can beat them when they have all those things clicking, right? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And for me, that's that's the hard part of okay, I put myself in Colgate shoes, right? How are we going to prepare for Creighton? You know, who's Creighton's like big dog hitter, right? And I think you still have that of people that are going to be, okay, this is the main cog, you know, or these are the couple like main cogs and this person still will get set. But I think you go through that scout and you're like, well, these are their two main hitters. You know, maybe it's their outsides, right? And 
And you're like, but they'll set both middles. Oh, Kiana Schmidt, also they'll set her, and she's extremely efficient and was MVP of their tournament. So, you know, and then the right side. And then, oh, by the way, when they're setters front row, she's extremely explosive and will just throw the ball down. So we have to be ready for that. And so it's those things of, okay, they might have a game plan going into it. Um, maybe they shut down Nora, like you said, St. John's is keen on Nora. Okay. But then all these other people can go off. So, you know, do they then try to adjust again and try to figure out who the hot hand is and, you know, set up a double block on them and leave somebody else open? Okay, well, that other person most likely is going to score. So it's that like cat and mouse game of, okay, we're set up here. Oh, this person's going off. Let's adjust. Let's, you know, but it's when you have so many options, it's just like physically not possible to have a double block in front of all those people. You know, if you're in, especially if Creighton's in system, Creighton is lethal in system because, you have options across the front, you have back row options, you have your setter as an option if she's in the front row. So it's just that part of having so many options is overwhelming for a team trying to play defense against you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I'm all tapped out. Anything else on your mind? Uh, volleyball related, into a tournament related? I don't know, Thanksgiving related, whatever you want to talk about. How was Portugal? Tell us about Portugal. How was Portugal? <laughs> it was good. It was beautiful. Yeah, I bet it was. Thanks. Um, yeah we're all jealous um so yeah thanks everybody for tuning in i think that'll be a wrap for us uh we'll come at you again next week um to wrap up creighton's first weekend of NCAA tournament action and um and then we'll see if the season's still going that'll be the fun part right mysterious (laughs) how many podcasts are left this season that's the question right um so, yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you always. Um, sorry about the hiatus. Things just happen sometimes. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon, we promise. Uh, so, for Megan Epperson, I almost forgot your last name. It's been so long. For Megan Epperson, I am Matt DeMarinas. Thank you for tuning in to the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. See you all at the arena this week.